Hi, I'm Bob Eckblad. Welcome to my podcast, Disciple. Word, Spirit, Justice, Witness. Today I'm going to interview Kristen Martinez, who's going to share her testimony and also how God delivered her and her brother Gavin from a terrible accident where they were hit by an Amtrak train on October 17th. So, Kristen, I'm going to begin by just inviting you to share a little bit your own story of your life. Hi, my name's Kristen Martinez. Um, I live in Skagit County. I'm 33 years old. I have struggled with addiction since 2016. Um, I got sober in 2019. I then gave my life over to Christ and accepted him into my heart and basically let the old me go to rest and to became who I am now today. I love doing outreach and helping people that are on the street and showing them love and kindness because I know from experience of being homeless that you don't always get treated like a human being. And so it means a lot to me to be able to go out on the streets and just show people that are struggling with addiction and mental illness that I love them and that they're worth it. Um, so I've been sober for four years and I have five wonderful sons. I have an 11 year old. I have a seven year old. I have twins that are three and I also have a six month old son. Um, I have my husband who I'm truly grateful for. He's been my best friend and my partner for the last 16 years. And throughout this whole experience with this accident, he has really stepped up and taken care of me and all of our kids and my dog. And he's just a wonderful supporting person. He is in recovery as well and has a couple months more sober than I do. He has four months and, or four years and a couple months longer than me. But on October 17th, me and my brother Gavin, my husband, my children, and one of my friends, we all were at my house having dinner. We ordered a bunch of pizza and we were having a good time. It was just a regular night. You know, we were spending time with each other and, um, and then me and my brother, me and my brother decided we were going to go get an icy and um, he had to pick up his girlfriend from work. So we, I live in Mount Vernon. So we left my house in Mount Vernon and we went and got the icy. We went to start to drive to go pick up his girlfriend from Cedra Woolley. And um, on the way there, we were having a very heart-filled conversation um, sorry, we were having a very heart-filled conversation about, you know, um, how much my brother respected and loved my husband because my husband has changed his entire life, um, and sacrifices everything and is a wonderful dad. And he's just there for, for me and my children. And my brother was just realizing how 
amazing my husband was. Um, I've been with my husband since my brother was about eight. My brother is one, he was not eight or nine, brother's 24 now. But, um, so we were having that conversation and, and we, um, we were just talking and my brother, um, is looking at some time in prison, um, for some things that happened, uh, about last year. And we were just talking about, you know, when he goes to prison, how he wants to, you know, take some classes and do some things to positive things, you know, with his time in there so that when he gets out, you know, he has some education and whatnot. And, um, and then we got into Burlington, um, by Avon Allen, I believe the road was and, um, highway 20. And, um, there was a train, uh, the Amtrak coming, but you couldn't see it or anything. And, um, I, I remember the impact of the train. The train hit us. I was awake and fully conscious the whole time. Um, I remember my brother looking at me and being very scared and, um, and then the impact hit. I was in the passenger seat with my seatbelt on. And um, be, right before the train hit us, I, I truly believed that the Lord put me into the back seat, the back seat of the car, right behind the driver's seat. Um, the seatbelt to the front passenger seat where I had been sitting, the seatbelt is still buckled in the car right now. The seatbelt's still buckled. So I know God had placed me in the back seat. There is nothing left of the front of the car where I was sitting besides the seat. The engine had flew out of the car um, through the passenger side where I would have been sitting before God placed me in the back. And um, uh, so God God came down from heaven and he, he gave me this sense of peace and, and he actually was talking to me, and it wasn't with his voice necessarily. I didn't hear a voice, and I didn't see him, but I, but it was him, I, and I felt him. And the way that I can explain it was like as if you're talking with somebody that you know really well, and they're using their hands to talk, you know, and you know what they're saying because you know them. Well, that's the feeling of communicating with God. That's what I felt. And he told me, I can go with him now or I could stay here. And he was very patient and he let, he, he let me go with him to feel what it was like to go with him. And, and it was so amazing. And, and I, um, I didn't feel no pain. I wasn't scared. I didn't see anything, hear anything. I was so calm and comfortable. And mind you, I have five children and, he gave me the option, you know, I could go with him or I could stay here. And it was very, very hard for me to, to stay here because it was so amazing to be with him and he was so comforting. Um, so I would go with him to feel that. And then I would come back and I would feel, you know, I would feel the things of this world. I'd be scared and hurting and, and worried and all the things. And so I went back with him and then I come back to, to the world and then, 
I decided to stay here. And when I made the choice to stay here, he told me, okay, if you're going to stay here, you're going to have to fight. And um, I didn't know exactly what he meant by that, but I said, okay. Um, after I decided to stay here, I no longer was able to go back with him to feel feel the 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 way I felt when I was going with him before. Um, but he didn't leave me, though. He stayed with me, and he guided me uh, to what to do. Um, we were trapped underneath um, an airbag. They had airbags all around the car. Um, and I had whipped the airbag off of me and my brother. And at this point in time, I didn't know that airbags were very durable. I didn't know that it's hard to rip them off. But because God was with me, he gave me the strength I needed to be able to do that. And um, when I ripped the airbag off, it was pitch black. We were 300 feet down the train track. We had went airborne when the train hit us. The car flew down the track 300 feet. And um, before I had ripped the airbag off, I could not see my baby brother. And when I ripped the airbag off, I seen my brother. And I was in the back seat. And he was his chair had when the train hit his chair had went backwards and it was it was not crushing me but it was laying on me enough to where I was able to reach forward after I ripped the airbag off and grab him and hug him and hold him because my brother was having um, a hard time breathing due to the fact that his ribs were were broken and he had a punctured lung um, so I just grabbed my brother. And I was holding him, and I was telling him it was going to be okay, uh, just to breathe, just to breathe. He, I, I knew that inside my purse, my inhaler was inside my purse. And so I just was trying to get my purse because I thought that if I got my inhaler, he would be able to breathe. Well, my purse was not by my feet, and that's kind of how I realized I was in the back seat, you know? And... Um, so anyways, after after um, I was holding my brother, I heard a voice um, saying, where are you? Where are you? I'm here to help. I called I called 911. And um, it turns out there was a pastor. His name's Pastor Dan. Um, he saw the whole thing happen. And he immediately called 911 and had the paramedics on the way. But before the paramedics got there, my phone was right on my lap. I am not broken or anything. God, it was like God placed me in the back seat to keep me safe from, from the damage of the car and placed my phone on my lap. So that way I was able to call my husband. I, um, before the paramedics came, I, I called my husband. I told him, I didn't tell him that we got hit by a train, but I told him we were in a very bad accident, that my brother wasn't doing very good, that he needed to come, um, and then I called my mother, and I called my uncle, and I called my stepdad, and the ambulance got there. Now, um, before I go any further, I just want everybody to understand that my brother is very close. He is almost like a son to me. We grew up with drug addict parents, and um, when I when I was old enough to start working and stuff, I. I would take my brother and get him nice clothes and, you know, haircuts and, and all. I, I, I 
I treated him like he was my baby, you know? And so I'm very, very close to my brother. And so I was very worried about my brother when, I'm sorry, when the ambulance got there, I knew that my brother was hurt worse than I was. I knew that he was hurt worse than I was, and I knew that he needed the medical attention first. The um, paramedics and, and everybody were trying to get me out of the car first, and um, I refused to get out of the car, and I just kept saying, get my baby out of the car, get my baby out of the car, and get get my brother out of the car because they were thinking that there was a, a baby child infant in the car, but that's just how I referred to my brother. He's my baby. Well, they wouldn't stop trying to get me out of the car even though I was refusing. And so I, I, um, I literally had to get upset with them about it. And then they got my brother, finally got my brother out of the car. They left me alone. They got my brother out. They called another crew to come to get me out. And, um, they got my brother out of the car. Now my brother, he had suffered a brain bleed, broken ribs, contusions all over his lungs, punctured lung, and his leg was broken. He couldn't breathe. Um, and they got him out of the car and placed him in the ambulance. Well, my brother, he tried to get out of the ambulance to run back to the car to get me. But I don't know how far he made it. But um, then I, after I knew he was out and safe, I, I then I was said, okay, now get me out of the car. So they got me out of the car. They life-flighted my brother to Harborview. Um, and then they had taken me to the, the hospital right here in Mount Vernon, the Skagit Hospital. They realized my injuries were too bad for them to treat me there so they life lighted me so um harborview is a, a trauma center down in seattle so that's like an hour drive away and i don't know how fa fast it took them to get you there by helicopter but then they took you to harborview too right yes they took me to harborview and gave me um they gave me surgery i suffered um a a broken back. I broke my lower back in five different spots, broken ribs, and um, I shattered my pelvis. Um, I'm not paralyzed, thanks be to God. Um, I will be able to walk again in six months, so I'm so blessed. And um, so I, the injuries that I sustained, um, normally the surgeon said, um, paralyzed people. So he was very impressed with the surgery, how well it went and, and surprised that I wasn't paralyzed. And, um, you know, I'm really grateful that I'm here today. I'm, I'm, I'm not lucky. I'm blessed. My brother is blessed. And I feel that I'm here for a reason. You know, I feel like that I'm here to share my story with people that don't necessarily feel like they deserve God's love. Um, you know, I, I did give my life over to the Lord in 2019, but I don't necessarily go to church every Sunday or read the Bible. You know, I'm not perfect and nobody is, but, um, he, he came down and he was with me and, 
the Lord was with me and showed me so much love that it just makes me realize that no matter where you are at in life, no matter what you struggle with, sorry, no matter what you're going through, if you just turn to God and you ask Him to be there, He will be there in a second, a half a second, you know? He wants us to to want Him. He wants us to know that He loves us. And uh, there's nothing that you, there's no matter how bad of things you do in life, as long as you turn away from that, I believe that he, he wants to love you and he will and he does. And, um, sorry. Um, after I, I had got lifelighted to the Harborview Hospital, it's actually the number one trauma hospital in the state, I believe. And, um, my brother immediately, when they got him there, they put him into a medically induced coma and um, put him on a ventilator because of the damage to his lungs and whatnot. Well, he was fully sedated, and I had just got out of the surgery. My husband was right there, and God was telling me that I needed to let my brother know that I was okay. I needed to let my brother know that I am not only okay, but that uh, that I'm that I'm going to be okay, that he needs to know that so that so that he could heal, right? So I couldn't obviously go up there. Um, so I had my husband go on FaceTime, go up to my brother's room, and put the phone next to my brother's face. And mind you, he's fully sedated in a medically induced coma. Um, I, I was telling my brother, I said, baby, sissy's okay. I'm going to be okay. I need you to fight. I need you to be okay and and know that I'm going to be okay. My brother, in a fully sedated, medically induced coma, started blinking his eyes at me. And I told him, honey, I'm going to come down to your room tomorrow and I'm going to give you a kiss. And when I said that, he started rubbing his cheek on my husband's cheek, like nuzzling his face. And it was amazing. And... um, the doctors were in shock because he was fully sedated. So they, they, they were wondering, like, did we not give him enough medication or what? And I'm, la- I'm laughing, like, because I know it's God, you know, that's, that's making him able to hear me because God wanted me to tell him. And, uh, so the next day th- I wanted to go visit him in his room because he was in the trauma ICU and I was downstairs. And I was in the, a different, section of the hospital. Um, they told me that they wouldn't bring me up there to visit him. If I wanted to go visit my brother, I had to learn how to get in and out of this wheelchair. Mind you, I had just had this surgery, what, 24 hours prior? Well, I spent all day long learning how to get in and out of the wheelchair because I wanted to go be with my baby, my brother. And, uh, by the time I got up, uh, by the time I got up to the, by the time I got up to his room. Um, it took me a full day to do it, but by the end of the day, I got up to his room. Now, when I got up to his room, my brother had um, contracted pneumonia because of the ventilator, I guess, that you 
that that happens quite often when you're put on a ventilator, you could get the pneumonia. So he wasn't doing too well. Um, and they didn't want me to go. They, they said that I could go in there and visit him, but they didn't want me talking. They didn't want me praying for him, but I did anyways. I went in there and I sat right next to my brother and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. Um, and then I was in the hospital for six, seven, six or seven days. I got released. I, um, and I went home and then I went to visit my brother maybe two weeks after I got out of the hospital and, and, um, he was off of the ventilator. Um, they took all the chest tubes out. He, um, is breathing on his own. He is out of the ICU. He's not able to talk, and I'm not sure if that's because of the ventilator hurting his throat or not, but he doesn't remember the accident, which I'm grateful for because it, it was a traumatic accident. But although it was a traumatic accident, I think so much positive things have came from it, and it's changed my life in a good way. Um, you would think that, you know, hearing the... Hearing the train, the sound of the train would, would bother me, but I decided that when I hear that sound of the train, instead of being in fear, I just remember how God was, was with me and how amazing that it felt that He was with me. So, um, I have a question, Kristen. It's what an amazing story. And, you know, I, uh, I think that all of our listeners are, are, are really, touched by this and there's some questions that that I have can you tell about just how what the doctors thought about your brother did they think he was going to live or or were they expecting that he was going to die so my brother so my brother was a code red the ambulance said the, um code code red means that basically you are almost dead um code code black is after code red and that is deceased um so he, he was very injured. Okay. He was, he, it wasn't looking good for him at all. And, um, I believe that all of the prayers, the community has stepped up and, and has hugged me. I feel like, you know, and has been there for me and prayed and prayed and prayed. And my brother wasn't doing good. Um, you know, for like a good week or a week and a half, they were having to lay him on his stomach and lay him on his back every few hours because he, his lungs were very damaged. And, and so he wasn't looking good, but, but the more prayers and stuff that we got, the more baby steps he has made to recovering. And it's going to be a very slow recovery, but, but He's made so much progress. He's actually been in the hospital the entire time since the accident on October 17th. And it's, what is it, November 20th now? So he's been in the hospital this whole time. But um, maybe four days ago, they took him out of the ICU and stuff. And so he's actually able to, um, he's actually able to, take showers. I, I, I heard that he was able, that he's doing that today, which I'm really excited for him about because he is the kind of boy that likes to look good and smell good and have his hair nice and all that. And so I know that's going to help him feel better. Um, 
I get to go visit him tomorrow and I'm really excited about it. I'm also, I can't wait till he could talk because I want to hear what he has to say. I want to know if he had an experience with the Lord like I did. Um, so I'm really excited about that, but I'm going to give it time and, and stuff before I bring it up with him. So, so Christian, um, another question that I imagine our listeners have is, how did this happen that you were hit by a train exactly? Were you, you know, you were driving on that highway and then was there a train crossing or what, what happened? Okay. You don't want to talk about no, that. No, I... Oh, okay. Well, I can't really get into all the details of that um, because my lawyer advised me not to, but um, we were in a vehicle and we did get struck by the Amtrak. That's as much as I could really say about that at this time. And the Amtrak was a, was going at a pretty high speed, you know, um, right? And so... 70 to 80. I believe that I was told that Amtraks travel um, at a speed of 70 to 80 miles per hour. Um, but that's just what I was told. I don't know if that's facts or not. And I honestly don't know if the... I don't know how fast the train was going. But I do know that the train did not stop after it hit us. Um it wasn't, it, it didn't stop until it was in Mount Vernon and we were in Burlington. We were in North Burlington, I believe too. So they didn't stop till Mount Vernon. But, um, you know, the amazing thing is, is people get, people get, you know, in accidents with trains often, but you don't necessarily, necessarily hear about them surviving. Right. And, uh, we were blessed. We are blessed, and we have um, we have a purpose, and and I'm so excited to be able to share this with everybody because I want everybody to know that that God loves you no matter what, no matter what. So, Kristen, um, you were sharing with us before we started this interview about your baptism and how that was an important moment for you in your spiritual journey, and I wonder if you can share a little bit about that and. Do you see any links or, you know, kind of parallels between your baptism and even what you just went through in terms of this, like, almost like death and rebirth experience from this accident? Well, I know for sure that that I I have a relationship with God no matter what. You know, I gave my life to him, and it didn't matter to him that I don't go to church every Sunday or that I don't read the Bible every day, all the time. Um, you know, me giving my life to him and accepting him into my heart was enough for him, you know? And, uh, I think that I'm grateful that I, that I have that relationship with him. And, and I think that, you know, that's, that's probably was easy for him to, to recognize me because I have gave my life to him, you know? So how has this experience, like, how do you feel like it's shifted you? Like, how, how is your life different now as you, um, as you face the future and, or just as you deal with your family and your, your present circumstances too? That's a good question. Okay, so, so okay, first off, you got to understand that I suffer from PTSD, right? Um, I actually, 12 years ago, found my dad dead hanging in the garage and uh, we were able to bring him back but that kind of messed with my head a lot and I suffer from PTSD now you would think that be because of what I just went through that I would have 
worsened PTSD, right? But this has helped me with my PTSD so much because um, I'm able to look at things a lot different, you know? I'm able to realize that that uh, that the, the, the PTSD is just a label that people are putting on me, you know? God God he- can heal that. And, and just because you suffer from something like that, that doesn't mean that you're stuck like that, that you have to deal with that your, the rest of your life. It's all... God um, showed me that I can look at things through a different perspective. And and ever since this accident, you know, I've been really grateful to be here. But I won't lie. Um, there are some days that, that are harder than others. And um, then I just have to remember. Um, my good friend Gracie actually reminded me today that the Lord did tell me if I was going to stay here, I had to fight. And... Uh, when he said that, I didn't know what it meant, but I know now. You know, I have to fight every single day to realize that, you know, I'm going to be okay and that I'm here with my kids and that I'm going to be able to help. I have a passion to help people. I love doing outreach, but now I'm also going to be able to help people that 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 need the Lord in their life. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and uh, also... You know, I am a recovering addict and I do have to take pain medication now because of my injuries. And, um, so that's a fight too. I have to, I have to be strong. And whether that's me giving my pain medicine to my husband and having him give it to me when I'm supposed to take it, um, that doesn't mean I'm weak. That just means I'm smart. <laughs> and, um, you know, I just, there's a lot of different ways that, that, that I have to fight through all this. And um, God has put love in totally strangers' hearts for me that have been able to help me fight too. So like I'm not doing it on my own. I have the Lord. I have my husband. I have a whole community out here that's helping me fight, you know. And I'm just so grateful for that. Yeah. That's beautiful. So, um, you know, you just shared a little bit about your mission, the mission that you feel that you have, right? Um, and I remember one of the last experiences I had with you before this accident. It was maybe a couple weeks or a month before I, I was out doing outreach to some of the people that are that are smoking fentanyl on the streets. And I found you there and you were um, you were like uh, in such a place of so much compassion towards those people. I was so touched by the way you were showing love to the people on the streets. Can you share anything about just what those folks on the streets mean to you and what you think they they need? Yeah. Um, actually, that was last um, December. It was before December 21st. I remember that clearly. Um, so... The reason why I was um, so happy and excited and I loved those people so much is because I was out on the streets with those people using and um, living in a tent with them in the woods and, and everything. And and uh, I got sober and they all were so proud of me and, and um, me going out there and doing outreach with them. Like I do it on my own because it because I was out there with them and they know me and they know that I don't judge them and they know that I was out there doing the same thing and I give them hope, okay? I they, I give them hope and I 
don't care where they're at, what they're doing. I will get out of my car. And if it's just sitting down on the sidewalk with them and talking with them, you know, um, that's what I'll do. And, and the thing is, 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 uh, they, I love them. I love them. They're, they're my family. And, um, I don't judge them at all. And I love to help them because I, I want to show them that if I could do it, like, so can they, you know, and I, and I've helped us, uh, three people get off of the streets and into treatment, inpatient treatment that are still clean till this day. Um, but I also have lost a lot of the people that were out there on the streets. And I remember wait, the, the month and everything when you saw me and, and I saw you and we were out there together and stuff because there was a man. His name is Vern, and when I was homeless, he he um, took me and my husband under his wing, and he's he was older, about sixty, and um, he had been homeless for a long time, and um, it was really cold that winter, and I I told Vern when I was in full blown addiction. Um, matter of fact, we were using at the time of this conversation. I told him, I said, Vern, I'm never gonna forget how much you love me and and all the things that you've done for me and my husband when I get sober I'm I'm not going to forget that um he would buy us coats at the goodwill and make sure we had food blankets and and everything and and he was a grumpy guy but he loved us and he would tell everybody we were his god kids and when I got sober he um he would come over to my house and and put make bikes and things like that with different parts and give them to my sons. And my sons loved him. And uh, anyways, uh, December 21st, he actually froze to death behind Safeway. And, uh, and that really was hard for me because I really love him and cared and still do care about him. Um, and the funny thing, too, about Vern is his camp was always <laughs> at the train tracks. <laughs> and um, if I can share this really quick, yeah. So his camp, he would always set up his camps right at the train tracks on the side, you know. And um, after I um, got a little bit better, maybe the third day of me being in Harborview after my accident, um, I was outside, um, and there was a few, um, homeless people out there. And, uh, I went over there and I was talking to him. Now, Vern collected rocks. I collect rocks as well. Vern thought every rock that he found was gold. And every time I seen him, he would give me a rock. He would give my kids a rock. And I collect them, so I kept them. Now, about the third day that I was in the hospital, I had went outside and I, I met these homeless, um, these two homeless guys out there. Um, and this man walks up to me and reaches in his pocket and brings out um, and hands me a handful of rocks. And he said, here, keep these safe. That's it. With a big smile on his face, I, I, I started crying because I knew that Vern was, was somehow there with me during the accident. And I know that he was getting a message to me and I just, I was happy crying. And then I told my husband about it. Well, the next day when my husband came to visit me, we were outside again and the same guy was out there and he's like, Hey, look at this gold I got. And when he said that, even my husband looked at me because we were like, that's something that Vern would do, you know? And so 
that was really awesome. But I just, I love doing outreach. I love being out there with those people because those people are the people that I was out there with when I was using. So I, I love them and I, I, I'm always going to be there for them no matter what. Now, Vern's the guy that would identify himself often by, by calling himself Jesus, right? That, that was his name. People would say, well, what's your name? You say, Jesus? Yes, he would. Yes, he would. Um, and, you know, um, like a few days before he passed away, I was actually talking to him because I have always had this fear of death. Not now, though, but I'll go into that in a minute. But um, I was talking with Vern, and I told, I was telling him, like, like that I was scared to die. And uh, he said, why? Why are you scared to die? It's fine. You're going to go, and you're going to be with everybody that you're here with now, and it's going to be fine. It, your body's going to die, but you're not going to die. And, uh, and shortly after that, you know, he froze to death. That really broke my heart that he froze to death. Um, but he's, I know that he, he wasn't afraid though. He wasn't. Yeah. I mean, we ministered to him and, and we're so blessed by him as well. And so I know, I know exactly, you know, how, I don't know exactly how you feel because you knew him much, much more, much more closely. But anyway, um, Thank you for reminding us about Vern and for just sharing your heart, you know, for people on the streets. And I'm wondering if you'd be willing to, to pray for us, just say a prayer for all of us uh, who are listening, just to kind of uh, bless us in, in any way that you feel led to bless us or pray for us. Okay. Now, I'm going to be honest. I don't really know how to do this, so whatever I say is coming straight from my heart. Dear Lord... I just want to thank you, firstly, for coming into my life and, and my brother's life and, and also for putting a sense of calmness over me during the accident. And, um, I would like to, to ask you to let all the people that need to hear my story come forth to me or show me them so that I can tell them my story and, and show them and, that you love them, Lord, and, and I, I pray that, that my, and my brother's, um, accident actually works in a good way and, and is, and is able to help people. And I want you to know that I'm so grateful that you put all this love into all these strangers' hearts for me and my brother. And I pray that everybody just knows how much God loves them and, even if you don't feel like you are doing good in life, just pray, pray. The power of prayer is real. I believe it's so real. Amen.